Welcome to the Multi-Purpose Room, a podcast helping school organizations and school administrations achieve their goals. Each episode discusses real-life topics that PTAs, PTOs, and school staff are dealing with. Our hosts and guests offer practical tips, learnings, and best practices to achieve their desired outcomes. Here are your hosts, Wesley and Deborah Jones. PTA and PTO's missions vary slightly, but overall, I think the national PTA captures it well. Every child, one voice, and that every child is critical. I know as a PTA leader, I always worry about, am I making sure that every child is included? So this episode will actually help us do that because it highlights something that was shocking to me, which is that there can be self-contained programs on a school campus that your PTA or PTO may not be aware of. Similarly, there can be special needs students on your campus that we're inadvertently excluding simply by not focusing on events or activities that could include them, or they may not feel like they are included. So today's episode, we will talk a little more about that and and what we as PTA and PTO leaders can do to make sure that it is every child that is being included. Our guest today is actually an author and will be referring to some of the characters in her books. Since you won't be able to see those books, I will include the pages of those books that she is pointing to in our show notes so that you can take a look at that. I want to welcome Dawn. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to special education? Uh, I have a PhD in curriculum instruction. I've been teaching students with severe cognitive delays for over 20 years. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. And so I took a class in junior college. It was a co-op class. And so I got credit for volunteering in her classroom. So she taught me how to be a teacher. And someone uh, gave me a a lead for a job as an assistant in a special ed class. And so I applied for it, but I didn't turn in my TB test at first because I started hearing like all these stories, you know? And so I really wasn't sure like if I was really cut out for that. And so, but I did. And then I became an assistant in a classroom with an excellent teacher. She was a great mentor for me. So I just, I just stayed in it. That's fantastic. I think like many of us, we kind of happen into the roles we end up in. And um, you sound like you had some great mentors along the way, which is... I was very lucky. Yeah, it's very helpful that way. When we last spoke, I found the structure of your school and specifically kind of the special needs program within the school really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I work for San Bernardino County Schools. So we work in all of the school districts within San Bernardino County. And we have specialized classrooms, so they're self-contained. So my students stay in our classroom um, all day. They go out in mainstream when they have an opportunity to, but we teach them all of the subjects. And I teach up to 22 year olds at this point. And so it's almost like a um, self-contained school within a school. And as a result of that, there are some things that the kids may miss out on. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, it's really dependent on the administration on campus, how much our students are able to do on campus. Um, so if you have 
you have an administration that's very welcoming, you're able to maintain your students into other classrooms. My students have taken like art classes and cooking classes and PE and uh, those kinds of things. But it is hard because a lot of the general ed teachers don't really understand what their role is when they're mainstreaming. You know, am I going to be responsible for this child? This child's not on my role. You know, you know, what am I going to be teaching the child? And for our classrooms, because it's because it's severely handicapped, we almost always send an assistant with the child so that so that they're not in the classroom, you know, unattended. And if there's an issue, there's someone there to help. And they're there to help the other children too. But it's it is harder, it's harder for the teachers to get out there and to to mainstream our, our students. And we had talked about like the families integrating this into the activities that are going on in the school. Um, because we're, we're separate, our students belong to the district, but they belong to us. So the lines get kind of, you know, mixed up, I guess. And so our parents aren't aware that like our students go to the dances. And so they don't get like on the, the PTA list. They don't, unless they're very active parents or they have stu other students that are in the general population, then they would be, and they'd be more aware of what was going on. So it's really important for our parents to have the opportunity to be actively involved in what's going on in the school. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's you're under the umbrella of the district, but because you're not part of the school itself in some ways, you don't necessarily attend the staff meetings for the staff at that school because that's different. Or you, to your point, you may not be on the PTA's radar because it is a separate entity just on the same campus. And yeah, so we're not on like the list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We don't get like the emails from unless we, we go out there and we actually seek it out. You know, we don't get on the list for like the emergency stuff. So we have to seek all that out and make sure we're included. One of the things that struck me as you and I were speaking previously was, you know, I'm a PTA leader and one of our goals is always to not leave children behind, right? To advocate right. for all the children on the campus. And I wasn't even aware of the fact that there could be these smaller multiple programs all under one campus that you may not realize don't fall under your school umbrella. So in other words, you assume that those families and parents are being included in activities, um, but that's not necessarily the case. And so what are some things that parent teacher group leaders like myself can do to ensure that those kids and families are being included? Well, first would be to go to the administration and find out if you do have a self-contained classroom on campus. Um, you know, not all districts do. Some districts um, have you know, district classes. They don't have like county classes. You know, everybody's different, but make sure that there aren't any that are being excluded. And you know what, I would go up to the teachers and just introduce yourself and um, ask if they have any needs, like what would they like to do? They know their parents the best and they know what their parents would be able to do. You know, some of our students have a lot of needs and the parents aren't able to do anything extra, but some parents, some of the students are higher functioning, they're more social, they wanna go to the dances, you know, and that's one thing that our district does and it's, and it's, but we have a huge prom 
and we have it during the daytime and it's a special needs prom but it they go all out i mean it's just amazing they we did um under the sea and we did what new york city and everybody gets all dressed up the parents come they get up you know the newspaper comes they have a red carpet the culinary class uh, makes the food I mean, so the, the regular district students become involved too. They come and they help at the dance. And it is a special needs and it is during the daytime because a lot of our can't do things after school, you know? And so it's just, it's just amazing. And it's an amazing project that our district that I work in does. Um, but there's just all sorts of things that people could do just to try to, to include everybody and at least give them the opportunity. That doesn't mean that they can do it or they want to do it, or, you know, all teachers have a box in the office, put flyers in the box, you know, put enough for a class, 20, 20 flyers of an upcoming fundraiser or, or an after school activity, you know, a Sunday making or whatever anybody is doing a reading program, you know, just put those flyers in the teacher's boxes. So, and they'll send them home. Say you're having a Halloween carnival and like all the classes are contributing something, a booth or whatever. Ask that class if they'd like to contribute something, create, you know, a booth or an activity at the carnival or something. And then, you know, the students love that. Is there anything parent teacher groups can do to bring awareness to the children in the school or the families in the school about special needs generally? You don't really want to like make them stand out, you know, but you just want to include them, um, you know, like we we go out during lunch and sit in the quad with the rest of the students. So if you're doing something during lunchtime at school, you know, sometimes they play music or they, you know, they do, you know, like for Valentine's Day, they sell Valentine's things, you know, make sure that the, the students know that they're a part of that, that they can go and and get some of that, the candy grams, or even help deliver them. I mean, they would get probably a huge kick out of being invited to help pass out the candy grams at Valentine's Day or, you know, whatever you're doing. I'm just including them in that. And then that helps um, add on to the campus. They're part of the campus. They're part of the school. Um, you don't really want to, like, make them stand out, though. Like, oh, look, this person has this, you know, you know, because that just makes them feel not so good. <laughs> One of the things that our school did that I, I really appreciated, um, we do a one school, one book program every year where the whole school reads the same book. And the main character was a special needs student. And so, and I know you're an author who yeah, has written wonderful. books with uh, characters that have special needs. And although that isn't necessarily like the central focus of the book, it does bring awareness to how those characters may feel differently in different situations, or it just exposes kids to um, different needs that are out there. And I think that that can be a really effective tool just to bring general awareness as opposed to, to your point, you probably don't want to bring that specific awareness yeah. to the specific kids on your campus. But that's wonderful that you picked a book that had us in it and um, so that they were able to read it and it makes it more mainstream, you know, and that's what I did with my books. Um, this one um, I just published in 2019 and it has, it actually has my students in it. This little girl has Rett syndrome and she, in the book, 
she is making lays for her classmates. So she's describing to Queen Bernita, who is the main character of my stories, why she needs help from her mom making the lays. This boy, his name is Connor, and this is Connor and Steven, his dad, and Connor was my student for many years. And so they're at the Volcanic National Park, because this book is based on Kona, Hawaii. And there, Connor is explaining to the queen, he has a communication device, which looks like an iPad. So he's explaining to the queen why he's using the iPad. He, he's nonverbal. If you see a child on campus and they have an iPad, and the other children might think, well, why do they get to play games? You know, why is he playing a game? Why is he carrying his iPad around? Well, because it's his communication device. And then they will understand that, and then they will be able to go up to that child. And if that child's trying to talk to them with this iPad, they're like, oh, I know what he's, I know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I like that idea of normalizing it because I think to your point, people may not understand kind of what's going on and that makes it, that can make it a little awkward for everybody involved in the interaction. But if it's normalized and they understand, then it's it's a much smoother interaction and everybody feels included. So that seeking to understand for the parent groups to seek to understand, like you said, come right. to the teacher, understand what the, the needs are and, and how to ensure that everybody feels included is, is really critical. Um, I can imagine that that being a self-contained program or classroom on campus could be isolating for the teachers as well. Any <laughs> tips for teachers who may find themselves in that situation on how to integrate? Well, definitely go and say hi to as many people as you can. Introduce, introduce yourself to the administration and, of course, the cafeteria and the maintenance, you know, because um, they're going to the ones that are really going to need to help you. And Try to find out what is going on on campus and what you can be involved in and what your students can be involved in, and then try to do that. It's hard, you know, but it's really wonderful when we're in our classroom and they're passing things out, the PTA is passing things out. Someone comes in the room and gives it to us and we're like, oh, you guys remembered us. You know, that's wonderful. You know, try to remember that, that the teachers aren't trying to be, you know, not friendly. <laughs> You know, they're just really busy and probably really wiped out by the end of the day. And they don't just don't have the energy to go seek people out and go into the stuff room and go, okay, what's everybody doing? Because you're like, oh, I got to go home now. <laughs> you know, so just try to, you know, put your hand out. And if they're not, you know, open to it, you know, that's okay too. Yeah, I think putting yourself out there is a good tip. I mean, you know, be, make the effort, um, be visible and, um, at least people then know who you are and you yes. can get a little more integrated into at least a communication stream. So to your point, you can keep your ear to the ground on what's going on on campus and then make decisions about whether or not right. it's appropriate for your classroom to participate. Right. I think overall, your tips have been great. As a PTA leader, the things that resonate with me are going to your administration and asking, do you have any self-contained classrooms on campus? Do you have any programs on campus that would not be included in the regular rhythm of communications? And then if so, meeting with those teachers and asking them about what the families might need 
even if you don't have a self-contained classroom on campus, I think meeting with any of the special needs teachers is a good idea anyway to just understand what their students might need and make sure that you're taking that into account with any of the events that you're planning. And then the flyers, you know, I think one of the challenges that PTAs have had over this last year is flyers and backpacks haven't been a thing for kids who aren't in school, (laughs) right? And so communication has been done just very differently. And with everything going to email, people have gotten behind an email. So I think a lot of people are looking forward to the flyers in the backpacks again and putting flyers in all of the teacher's mailboxes is critical. I think that was a good tip. And then for kids over 16, look into workability programs and how that might integrate with anything else you're doing on campus with local businesses. I think that's a really good tip. And there was something that they had on our campus. It was, it it was kind of like a buddy program that isn't what I can't think of what it was called, but where they kind of um, buddied up the general ed, buddied up with the special needs, and it it worked out really good. They had like a function once a month. Oh, nice! That they all did together. So like you could do that, and then they, everybody would get to know each other, and you know it it always makes everyone feel good to help each other both directions. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Any last bits of advice for the PTO and PTA leaders out there? I I love to tell this story. When I worked at the elementary school, I had a little boy and I actually kept him all the way up until, until he was, until he moved, he was like 20, but we would go, we were in elementary school and we'd go down and play in the playground and the proctors would hand out, you know, like a, a reward for playing with like our students. <laughs> and he went up and he wanted one because he played with one of the special needs students. He didn't know he was one of the students. So keep that in mind when you're when you're interacting that, you know, they're people and they just have special needs. And, you know, they're not, you know, they're not isolating themselves. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's good to keep uh, top of mind. Don't don't create the isolation, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure having you today. I really appreciate your thoughts and advice. And I think that bringing awareness to this area is really important in the PTA and PTO's mission of advocating for all the students on campus and bringing the families together of all the students on campus. So thank you, Don. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school to subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on this show, we share additional resources on our company blog at www.k12clothing.com. We'll see you next week in the Multipurpose Room.